Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. The author, Max Licato, tells the story of a group of fishermen uh, in Scotland. And they're all sitting in a restaurant and one of the fishermen is telling a story about how big the fish was that got away. And as he throws his arms wide open to show the size of the fish, uh, he hits a waitress who is carrying a pot of tea. And the tea splatters all over the dining room wall and it makes a terrible mess. And so the restaurant owner says, well, It looks like we'll have to repaint that wall. And a man who is sitting with the fisherman looks carefully at the tea stains on the wall and says, maybe not. Now, hold that scene in your mind because it's going to turn out to be a good illustration of the good news that's found in this boat on the Sea of Galilee in this morning's gospel. It is a wild scene. I mean, there's a huge storm. Uh, Waves are crashing into the boat. The the disciples are freaking out. And where is their leader and protector and guardian? In the back of the boat, asleep. Uh, Some time ago, I was discussing this passage in a Bible study, and one man said, and I quote, My problem is that I am a problem solver. You describe a problem, and my response will be to solve it. You show me that something's broken, and my response will be to fix it. So I come home, and my wife says, I have a problem. And I begin to solve it. And she says, wait a minute. I didn't ask you to solve it. I just want you to feel my pain. So now I come home, and I say, I feel your pain. And she says, just fix it. The disciples in this passage are problem solvers. The men in this storm-tossed boat are fix-it people. And there certainly is a problem. I mean, the passage says the boat is being swamped. And you don't need to be a graduate of the Maritime Academy to know that if your boat is in danger of sinking because there's too much water in it, the solution is fairly clear. Bail. Bail like crazy. All hands on deck to bail. So how come one of the hands is asleep? Come on, Jesus. Wake up. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that every person in this church this morning has prayed that prayer in one way or another about one issue or another. Come on, Jesus. Wake up. So what happens? Well, Jesus does wake up, and he says to the disciples, in effect, you certainly do have a problem, but I'm afraid that your solution to the problem is not very effective. I'm afraid that bailing doesn't seem to be getting the job done. I have another idea. 
He turns to the water. He says quietly, peace, be still. And the Sea of Galilee becomes smooth as glass. Then he turns back to the disciples and he says, in effect, I wish you had checked with me before trying to solve the problem from your perspective. Because my perspective to the problem, my father's perspective, is to connect with the real issue and to bring the power of love, the power of forgiving and redeeming love, the power of the cross and an empty tomb to this concern. As the man in the Bible study said, most of our problems are relational, and that is where God is at his best. God's perspective on our problems focuses on our hearts, and I'm not as good as God at fixing hearts. The truth is, and you know this as well as I do, there is always a storm. The truth is, and you know this as well as I do, the boat is always leaking in one way or another. And the good news is that when you and I are exhausted from bailing, God has another solution. When the storms hit, God offers a response that speaks to our hearts. After the storm of that pot of tea hitting the wall, the restaurant owner came up with the obvious solution. We're going to have to repaint the wall. But the other man sitting with the fisherman had another response. The man got some materials out of a box. He was carrying pencils and pens and brushes and paint. And he began to make some sketches in and around the tea stains. And then he added some color and some texture. And after a while, the painting of a magnificent stag began to appear, complete with huge antlers. The man signed his name at the bottom of the tea stain, smiled at the fisherman, and left. And the others gathered round to read the name. And it was signed, Sir Edwin Landseer, who happened to be the great Scottish painter of wildlife. So what are some storms in which our God may be calling you and me, even this morning, to stop bailing? I mean, there are some international storms around the world right now, and the solution is so obvious. I mean, wake up, Jesus, and just tell all the world's leaders to just get along. There's some real political storms in our country right now, and the solution is just so obvious. Wake up, Jesus. Get the people on my side of the aisle elected. There's some storms at Calvary George, Calvary St. George's. The buildings right now need tons of repairs and renovations. The solution is so obvious. Wake up, Jesus. Send us a million-dollar donor with enough left over for air conditioning for the church. And when Jesus wakes up, what is his solution? His solution is to turn his face toward the cross and the empty tomb so that you and I may know 
that no matter what, come what may, we are loved by a love that always has the last word. As St. Paul says in today's gospel, we are as having nothing from the world's solution point of view, and yet from God's solution, possessing absolutely everything. And speaking of last words, when Lloyd Douglas, who is the author of The Robe, uh, was in college, uh, he lived in a boarding house, and a retired wheelchair-bound professor of music lived on the first floor, and every morning when Douglas came downstairs and left, he would stick his head in the professor's door, and he'd ask the same question, what's the good word? And the old man would pick up his tuning fork, tap it on the side of the wheelchair, and he would say, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday, it will be middle C tomorrow, it will be middle C a thousand years from now. The tenor upstairs sings flat, the piano across the hall is out of tune, but that, my young friend, is middle C. You and I have a middle C, who, as St. Paul puts it, is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's the love of the one who deals with our storms by choosing a cross and an empty tomb so that you and I may know that come what may, no matter what, we are loved by a love that always has the last word. So I want to end uh, with one little snapshot of an obvious solution to a storm and a better solution. On November 18, 1995, the legendary violinist Itzhak Perlman gave a concert at Lincoln Center. And as you may know, uh, Perlman contracted polio when he was a child. He has braces on both legs and he walks with two crutches. So as usual, Perlman moved slowly across the stage, sat down, placed his crutches on the floor, undid his braces, put one leg behind the chair, he extended the other leg forward, and then he signaled the conductor, and he started to play. And he had only played a few measures when the storm struck. The storm took the form of a string on his violin breaking. You could hear it snap. It sounded like a gunshot. Everyone knew the solution to that storm. It was obvious. The solution was for Perlman to hook up his braces, pick up his crutches, stand up, and make his way across the stage to get another violin, or at least another string. Perlman had a better solution. Let me read for you a description of what happened from an eyewitness who was there. Perlman waited a moment, closed his eyes, and then signaled the conductor to begin again. The orchestra began, and he played from where he had left off. And he played with such passion, and such power, and such purity. Anyone knows that it is impossible to play a symphonic work 
with just three strings. I know that. You know that. But that night, Itzhak Perlman refused to know that. You could see him modulating, changing, recomposing the piece in his mind. And at one point, it sounded like he was detuning the strings to get new sounds from them that had never been made before. When he finished, there was an awesome silence in the room, and then an explosion of applause. Perlman smiled, wiped the sweat from his brow, raised his bow to quiet us, and then he said, not boastfully, but in a quiet, pensive, reverent tone, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. What you and I have left is the middle C of the love who's got the last word. So I want to conclude by asking Laura and Anki up here in the choir to sing hymn number 694, which you'll see up on the wall in your program, and to sing it as our prayer to that love that will not let us go. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. 
produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.